0: volume three chapter twelve of the widow barnaby by francis milton trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twelve a party a meeting good sometimes productive of evil the superintending the toilette of agnes for the party of that evening was a new and very delightful page in the history of the spinster of compton Bassett the fondest mother dressing a fair daughter for her first presentation never watched the operations of the toilette more anxiously and in her case there was a sort of personal triumph attending its success that combined the joy of the accomplished artist who sees the finished loveliness himself has made with the fond approval of affection partly from her own native good taste and partly from the wisdom of listening with a very discriminating judgment to the practical counsels of an experienced modiste the dress of agnes was exactly what it ought to have been and the proud old lady herself could not have desired an appearance more distingue than that of her adopted child when turning from peggy and her mirror she made a sportive courtesy and exclaimed have you not made a fine lady of me aunt betsy when miss compton's carriage stopped at rodney place it was mrs peters instead of her daughter who took a place in it mary is excessively angry with me said she as they drove off for not letting her be your companion but i think it more il faut, agnes that i should present you to mrs pemberton myself she is a vastly fine lady not one of us humble bristolian cliftonites who pique ourselves rather upon the elevation of our limestone rock above the level of the stream that leaves our merchant's case than on any other species of superiority that we can lay claim to mrs pemberton is none of us she has a house in london and a park in buckinghamshire and flies over the continent every now and then with first-rate aristocratical velocity but she has one feeling sometimes shared by more ordinary mortals which is a prodigious love of music this and a sort of besoin to which she pleads guilty of holding a salon every evening that she is not from home forces upon her as i take it the necessity of visiting many of us who might elsewhere scarcely be deemed worthy to approach her footstool we met her at the parslows where the girl's performances elicited a very gracious degree of approbation an introduction followed she has honoured me by attending a concert in my own house and this is the fourth evening we have passed with her now you have the carte du pays and i think you will agree with me that it is much better i should make my entrée with you on my arm than permit you to follow with the damsels in my train agnes confessed that she thought the arrangement much more conducive to the dignity of her approach and thanked her companion for her thoughtful attention perhaps it is not quite disinterested agnes i am rather proud of having such an exotic to produce what a delightful aunt compton it is carriage perfect servants evidently town-made white satin and blonde fit for an incipient duchess if your little head be not turned agnes you will deserve to be chronicled as a miracle i have had enough to study the giddiest craft that ever was launched my dear mrs peters replied agnes and it would be silly indeed to throw my ballast overboard because i am sailing before the wind then your head is not turned that is what you mean to say is it not no replied agnes laughing my head is not turned i feel almost sure of it but why do you make such particular inquiries respecting the state of my head at present mrs peters shall i be called upon to give some illustrious proof of its healthy condition to-night yes my dear you will assuredly be called upon to sing and you must prove to my satisfaction that you are not grown too fine to oblige your friends is that all depend upon it i will do whatever you wish me mrs pemberton's drawing-room was full of company when they entered it but that lady espied them the moment they arrived and stepped forward with so much eagerness to receive them that agnes thought mrs peters had in her account of the acquaintance between them hardly done justice to the degree of favour she had risen to but a few minutes more convinced her that even she unknown as she was might flatter herself that some portion of this distinguished reception was intended for her for mrs pemberton took her hand and led her to a seat at the upper end of the room with an air of such marked distinction as spite of the philosophy of which she had just been boasting brought a very bright flush to her cheeks if it did not turn her head the few words however spoken by that lady to one of those beside whom she placed her explained the mystery and proved that mrs peters had deemed it prudent to intimate her intention of bringing a young friend with her beforehand miss Eversham you must permit me to introduce this young lady to you miss willoughby miss eversham from a little word in mrs peters note this morning i flatter myself that i shall have the gratification of hearing you sing together this lady's voice is a contralto miss willoughby and from what i have heard of your performance at mrs peters before i had the pleasure of being acquainted with her your voices will be delightful together this most unexpected address was not calculated to restore the composure of agnes and it was not without some effort that she summoned courage enough to answer the numerous questions of miss eversham an elderly young lady too much inured to exhibition to have any mercy upon her when as an excuse for withdrawing her attention for a moment from the ceaseless catechism that tormented her she turned away her eyes to look upon the company and beheld the profile of colonel hubert as he bent to speak to a lady seated on a sofa near which she stood this was not an occurrence very likely to restore her composure but at least it spared her any farther anxiety respecting the effort necessary for receiving the attentions of her neighbour properly or she altogether forgot her vicinity and became as completely incapable of hearing her farther questions as of answering them had he seen her did he know she was at clifton was his aunt was lady stephenson there how would he address her would their intercourse begin from the point at which it had broken off or would her altered circumstances by placing each in a new position lead to a renewed proposal and an answer oh how different from her former one these were the questions that now addressed themselves to her making her utterly incapable of hearing the continued string of musical interrogatories which went on beside her the short interval during which colonel hubert retained his attitude and continued his conversation seemed an age and expectation was growing sick and almost merging in despair when at last the lady turned to answer a question from her neighbour and colonel hubert stood upright and cast his eyes upon the company her emotion was too powerful to permit bashfulness to take any part in it she sought his eye and met it in a moment all suffering was over and all anxiety a thousandfold overpaid for the look she encountered was all her heart could wish at the first glance indeed he evidently did not know her it was that of a wandering speculative eye that seemed looking out for occupation and had she quite understood it aright she might have perceived that it was arrested by a sort of sudden suspicion that it had found something worth pausing upon but this lasted not above the tenth part of an instant and then he darted forward his fine proud countenance expressive of uncontrollable agitation and the rapidity with which he approached her was such as to show pretty plainly that he forgot it was a crowded drawing-room he was traversing by the time he reached her however short as the interval was the glow that had lighted up her face when it first arrested his eye had faded into extreme paleness and when he spoke to her she trembled so violently as to be quite unable to articulate colonel hubert perceived her agitation and felt that it approached in some degree to his own had he been twenty-five this would have probably been all he wished to see as it was he felt a dreadful spasm at the heart as the hateful thought occurred that after what had passed there might be two ways in which it might be interpreted but it was a passing pang and longing to present her to his aunt and sister and at the same time release her from the embarrassing curiosity so conspicuous in the manner of her neighbour he held the hand she extended to him while he said let me lead you to lady elizabeth miss willoughby both she and lady stephenson are in the next room and will be delighted to see you agnes rose and though really hardly able to stand replied with all the voice she had that she should be greatly obliged if he would lead her to them taking his offered arm as she spoke at this moment sir edward stephenson crossed the room with his eyes fixed upon her and with evident curiosity to find out who it was his stately brother-in-law was escorting so obsequiously the extreme beauty of agnes and the remarkable elegance of her dress and appearance had in truth already drawn all eyes upon her and the whispered enquiries of many had been answered by mrs pemberton with the information that she was an heiress and the first amateur singer in england the foundation of these assertions had reached her by the note of the judicious mrs peters who while asking permission to bring a young friend took the opportunity of hinting the two interesting facts above mentioned and the effect of their repetition among her guests doubtless added not a little to the interest with which agnes was looked at sir edward stephenson was among those who had heard of the heiress ship and the voice but the name had not reached him And while looking at the elegant girl in white satin who leant upon Colonel Hubert's arm, not the slightest resemblance between her and the fair girl in deep mourning that he had once or twice seen at Cheltenham occurred to him. There was a stoppage in the doorway between the two rooms, and it was at this moment Sir Edward said in the ear of the colonel, Who is your fair friend? Do you not know her, Sir Edward? It is Miss Willoughby. What the girl, the person we saw at, nonsense, Montague, who is it? colonel hubert shrugged his shoulders at the incredulity of his brother-in-law and quietly replying i have told you all that i know took advantage of a movement among the crowd in the doorway and let his fair companion through it in the short interval occasioned by this stoppage agnes so far recovered her composure as to become very keenly alive to the importance of the next few moments to her happiness should lady elizabeth look harshly or lady stephenson coldly upon her of what avail would be all the blessings that fate and affection had showered upon her favoured head and then it was that for the first time she felt the full extent of all she owed to miss Compton. for the consciousness that she was no longer a penniless desolate dependent came to her mind at that moment with a feeling ten thousand times more welcome than any display of her aunt's hoarded wealth had ever brought and the recollection that in speaking of her to mrs peters miss compton had almost pompously called her my heiress and the inheritor of my paternal acres and some twenty thousand pounds besides which at the time had in some sort been painful for her to listen to was at that agitating moment recalled with a degree of satisfaction that might have been strangely misinterpreted had those around been aware of it some might have traced the feeling to pride and some to vain self-consequence but in truth it arose from a deep-seated sense of humility that blessed anything likely to lessen the awful distance she felt between herself and hubert in the eyes of his relations but with all the aid she could draw from such considerations her cheek was colourless and her eyes full of tears when she found herself standing almost like a culprit before the dignified old lady whose favour she had once gained in a manner so unhoped for whom she feared she had deeply offended since and on whose present feelings towards her hung all her hopes of happiness in life it was not at the first glance that her timid but inquiring eye could learn her sentence for the expressive countenance of the old lady underwent more than one change before she spoke at first it very unequivocally indicated astonishment then came a smile that, as plainly told of admiration at which moment by the way her ladyship became impressed with the firmest conviction that the nose of the honourable miss and that of miss willoughby were formed on the same model and at last whatever intention of reserve might have possessed her it all melted away and she held out both her hands with both aspect and words of very cordial welcome the heart of agnes gave a bound as these words reached her and the look of animated happiness which succeeded to the pale melancholy that sat upon her features when she first approached touched the old lady so sensibly that nothing but the presence of the crowd around prevented her throwing her arms around her in a fond embrace lady stephenson was from the first instant all affectionate kindness and even sir edward who had hitherto never appeared to think it necessary that his lady's singing favourite should occupy much of his attention now put himself forward to claim her acquaintance apologising for not having known her at first by saying the change of dress miss willoughby must be my excuse you have left off mourning since i saw you last agnes smiled and bowed and appeared not to have been in the least degree affronted in fact she was at that moment too happy to be otherwise than pleased with everybody in the world meanwhile colonel hubert stood looking at her with love admiration and astonishment that fully equalled that of his aunt but the contemplation did not bring him happiness without settling the balance very accurately in his own mind perhaps he had hitherto felt conscious that his station and fortune independent at least if not large might be set against her youth that constant stumbling-block of his felicity and her surpassing beauty but there was something in the change from simplicity of dress that almost approached to homeliness to the costly elegance of costume that was now before him which seemed to indicate a position to which his own no longer presented so very favourable a contrast she no longer appeared to be the agnes to obtain whom he must make a sacrifice that would prove beyond all doubt the vastness of his love and he trembled as he beheld her the principal object of attention and the theme of avowed admiration throughout the room lady elizabeth very unceremoniously made room for her next herself by desiring a gentleman who occupied the seat beside her which was on a small sofa filling the recess by the chimney to leave it i beg a thousand pardons sir but i see no other place in the room where we could hope for a space to sit thus tete-a-tete together and did you know how near and dear she was to me you would i am sure excuse me the gentleman though not a young one assured her with the appearance of much sincerity that to yield a seat to such a young lady could be considered only as honour and happiness by every man having thus established her restored favourite at her side lady elizabeth began to whisper innumerable questions about miss compton how came it my dear said she that when opening your heart to emily and me upon the subject of your unfortunate situation with mrs barnaby you never referred to the possibility of placing yourself under the protection of miss compton because my aunt compton having quarrelled with my aunt barnaby had refused to take any further notice of me mrs barnaby at least led me to believe during the six or seven months i passed with her that every application on my part to miss compton would be vain and it was only the dreadful predicament into which mrs barnaby's arrest threw me that gave me the desperate courage which i thought necessary for applying to her but i have since learned lady elizabeth that at any time one word from me would have sufficed to make her leave her retirement as she now has done and remove me from my dreadful situation but it appears that she is not only a kind aunt but a wealthy one my dear child excuse the observation agnes situated as we now are together you cannot deem it impertinent but your dress indicates as great and as favourable a change in pecuniary matters as your letter and your happy countenance announces in all others miss compton i presume is a woman of fortune her fortune is larger than i imagined it to be replied agnes she lived with great economy before she adopted me and do you know what her intentions are agnes rejoined the persevering old lady it is only as the aunt of colonel hubert remember this my dear it is only as colonel hubert's aunt that i asked the question agnes blushed with most happy consciousness as she replied the interest you so kindly take in me confers both honour and happiness And however averse to boast of the kindness bestowed and promised by my dear aunt i can have no wish to hide from you lady elizabeth all she has said to me she knows the honour that has been done me by colonel hubert and knows too that nothing but the fear of your displeasure could have made me hesitate to accept it and she says that should no such displeasure interfere she would bestow a fortune on me well my dear i don't believe that any such displeasure is likely to interfere when will you introduce us to her to-morrow lady elizabeth agnes eagerly replied if you will give us leave to wait upon you yes that is right my dear quite right she must call on me first and yet i am not quite sure of that either i rather think the friends of the gentleman should wait upon the friends of the lady and so i will call upon her to-morrow morning and remember when you have introduced us to each other you may go away we must talk on business what is her address agnes gave the address very distinctly which was repeated in the same manner by lady elizabeth just as mrs pemberton approached to entreat her permission to lead her to the pianoforte you are going to sing my dear child very good i shall be delighted to hear you and you must get me a place where i can both look at and listen to her mrs pemberton said lady elizabeth considerably surprised but much pleased to find that the acquaintance she had condescended to make with mrs peters had led her to having the honour of receiving so intimate a friend and favourite of her most illustrious guest mrs pemberton rather ostentatiously performed the service required of her and agnes once more stood up to sing with lady elizabeth's armchair almost as near to her as on the happy night when she first won the old lady's heart at cheltenham but where was colonel hubert he had stood so anxiously watching the first few words that passed between his aunt and agnes and when he saw her cavalier dismission of her neighbour and the cordial style of amity with which she pursued her conversation with the beautiful interloper he almost forgot his doubts and fears in the happiness of seeing one obstacle so decidedly removed and prudently denying himself the pleasure of being near them lest his presence might render the conversation less confidential he withdrew to the other room and only appeared again before the eyes of agnes when he took his place beside her to turn over the pages of her song for the first few moments agnes feared that she was too happy to sing but she tried and found that her voice was clear and was determined that it should soon be steady for she wished let youthful ladies judge how ardently To renew the impression which she had made on colonel hubert on that never-to-be-forgotten morning when she first dared to fancy he loved her nor were her wishes vain she sang as well and he felt as strongly as before her pleasure as she watched this was perfect but his was very far from being so he saw that she was the centre of attraction and not only as before the admired of every eye and the enchanter of every ear but also the most distinguished fashionable and important young lady present there was not however a shadow of the paltry feeling called jealousy in this the pang that smote his heart arose from memory and not from imagination could he as he now saw this elegant girl the centre of fashion and the petted favourite of his own proud aunt forget the generous devoted passion of the unfortunate frederick could he forget that he had used all the influence which the young man's affection to himself had lent him to make him abandon an attachment so every way calculated to ensure his happiness could he forget that frederick was now living an exile from his country the victim of unhappy love while he his trusted confidant but most pernicious adviser remained to profit by the absence he himself had caused and to drain the cup of happiness which his hand had dashed from the lips of his wretched friend as long as mrs barnaby continued to hang about her and in some degree to overshadow her with the disgrace of her vulgar levity agnes could not be loved without a sacrifice and the youth and splendid fortune of frederick stephenson as well as the peculiarly strong feelings of his family on the subject might have stood as reasons why another less fettered by circumstances might have married her though he could not but how stood the matter now agnes had been snatched from mrs barnaby and borne completely beyond the sphere of her influence stephenson's proud brother seemed to bow before her while his wife selected her as a chosen friend and worse a thousand times worse than all the rest he had learnt while he wandered among the company before the music commenced that agnes was the proclaimed heiress of fifteen hundred a year this last however for his comfort he did not believe but there was enough without it to make him feel that should he even be so blessed as to teach her to forget the difference of their age and make her young heart his own he must by becoming her husband appear to the friend who had trusted him as one of the various traitors under heaven such thoughts were enough to jar the sweetest harmony and the evening was altogether productive of more pain than pleasure to the unfortunate colonel hubert who having staked his happiness on a marriage only to be obtained by the consent of his aunt was now suffering martyrdom from a plethora of success and would have gladly changed his condition back to what it had been regardless of consequences he had laid his heart at the feet of agnes by the light of her one tallow candle in half-moon street while her sole protectress lay imprisoned in the fleet when the party broke up colonel hubert leaving his aunt to the care of sir edward escorted mrs peters and the four young ladies downstairs where another shock awaited him on hearing her servant inquire which carriage should be called up first for before answering mrs peters turned to agnes and said to which name are your servants accustomed to answer my dear miss compton told me you would have your own carriage here but perhaps this might only be another mode of saying you would have hers shall they call miss compton's carriage or miss willoughby's agnes they will answer to either i believe replied agnes carelessly for she was waiting for colonel hubert to finish something he was saying to her call miss willoughby's carriage then said mrs peters to the servants in waiting and miss willoughby's carriage miss willoughby's carriage resounded along the hall and through the street. End of chapter 12